Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. a round of applause for our pastor, Elisha, who's coming up to give the word of God this morning. All right. Thank you, Sammy. Trying to get myself all situated here for a minute. Um, My husband, who is our lead pastor, he sends his greetings to you. Um, He is in the state of New Jersey this morning. And so we are just praying for him that he has an amazing uh, morning there, well, day. He's going to be there all day preaching. And uh, so he's doing the morning service. He's doing a Spanish service. He's doing an evening service. So they're working him today. Um, I am just doing one, (laughs) which is enough. Um, Before we get into the word, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. His spirit has just been so sweet today. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you are visiting here. Not just visiting, you dwell within us. And Lord, we are carriers of your presence. And Lord, we want more of you. Oh, Lord, we want more of you. More of your spirit, more of your power, God. Jesus, I pray this word today brings us to a deeper place in our walk with you, a deeper understanding of who you are and your great love for us. So we rely on you today, Holy Spirit. I've done the work. I've done the study. Now you lead the words. I'm your vessel today, God. Use me. Let your power fall in this place, I pray. Amen. All right, I'm really dry today, so I apologize. This um, message just kind of was birthed in my heart from quiet time with the Lord I was having. And I was reading this portion of scripture, and the Lord is just opened my eyes to kind of see him in a different way visually. I'm a visual learner. I like to see things. I like to see how they work and how they operate. And I tend to picture and I let my creative imagination go to work when God gives me something. So we're going to read a lot of scripture today <laughs> because his word is what changes us. His word is what matters, not my word, right? And so he gives revelation though. So today we're going to talk about the good shepherd. Because he is so good. And we live in times right now where things are just kind of nuts, right? They're crazy. But we can turn to the good shepherd. So we're going to read John 10. Um, So if you have your Bible, turn there. John 10, we're going to start verse 1 and we're going to go to 30. I know it's a lot of um, scripture. Now I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation for this part. And it goes, Jesus starts saying, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. And those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely, and they will find good pastures. 
The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. And when he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said, he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now it was winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. And he was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Ah, amen. Sheep. You know, that's been a terminology that we've been hearing a lot lately, right? Anybody who follows any sort of political side is called, you're a sheep. Well, (laughs) Good news for everybody. We're all sheep. (laughs) Jesus calls us sheep. We are called sheep. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, our Messiah, on him, the iniquity of us all, the sin of us all. So there you go. Someone calls you a sheep, say, yes, I am. I'm proud sheep. Sheep were important. And so Jesus, you know, he's, he's wonderful at using illustrations and talking to people about the here and now, right now. This is what they could associate with, and this is what they understood. They understood sheep. Because it was very common. There was a lot of people farming and raising sheep. See, sheep are important. You know, it might have been like a shepherd's job might have been the lowliest job, but if you didn't have sheep, you didn't have income and status and wealth. Abraham had so many sheep, so many cattle. Like, he had so many because that was his wealth. That's how they recognized him. Sheep provided food. Sheep provided wool. And sheepskin. Those sheep kind of get a bad name for their lack of intelligence, right? They're very dependent creatures. They uh, are very much prone to wander. They're skittish and fearful. Sheep are unable to find their way even with the shepherd in sight. And so I was doing my research about sheep. (laughs) I read a lot about sheep. (laughs) And uh, I I found some things that I thought, huh, this is interesting. There was an author, Philip Keller, who was a sheep rancher. 
And he shared this thought about sheep. He said, sheep require more attention than any other livestock. They just can't take care of themselves. Unless their shepherd makes them move, they will actually ruin a pasture. They will eat every blade of grass until what was once a fertile pasture is nothing but barren soil. Sheep are very nearsighted and stubborn, but they are frightened easily. An entire flock can be stampeded by a jackrabbit. So that means that they have little defense. They're timid, they're feeble, and their only recourse is to run if no shepherd is there to protect them. Sheep have no homing instincts. A dog or a horse or a cat, bird, they can find their way home. But when a sheep, when it gets lost, it's gone unless someone comes to rescue it. Sheep cannot make it without a shepherd. So why did Jesus call us sheep? Doesn't that make us feel so good, right? (laughs) It's because we need a shepherd. He knew that we needed him. We can't make it on our own. And even sometimes with God right in sight, right in plain sight, we're wandering like, where are you, Lord? Where are you? I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. Why aren't you here? He's there the whole time. Oh, little lamb. We need a shepherd. Sheep by nature, they only live for the moment. Do you know any people like that? Do you have any teenagers in your home? They only live for that moment, right? Their, their line of vision is never more than that clump of grass that they're chewing on right then and in that moment. And then slowly, more and more, they tend to get away from the fold. And without the shepherd and his trusty sheepdog, they would wander off with no direction, no purpose, just doesn't know where to go. People are like that. They live for the moment. What is that one pleasure? And they just keep chomping on the one pleasure. That's all I want. When the pleasure's no longer there, they don't know what to do. So they're just, they will eat everything in sight till it's gone. But God tells us that we're here for a purpose. The Bible tells us that we were created for the purpose to bring him glory. So this is where Jesus comes in. Right before we read John 10, there's John 9. John 9, God, Jesus, God, is healing a blind man. Now the Pharisees, they were not very happy that Jesus did this. They were very upset because Jesus didn't work within the norms of how they believe people should receive blessing, healing, and God forbid it was a Sabbath. And Jesus heals this man, and they are so upset, and they're questioning him. How did he heal you? Were you really blind? They bring in his parents. They question him, and they said, listen, he's old enough. You ask him. And the man, I like him because he has like a little bit of edge. I like, I like a little bit of edge. He's like, why do you, do you want to ask of him too? You know, like when they're questioning him and they were so upset. They say, how dare you lecture us? How dare you? And he, what did they do? They threw the man out. Now we think, okay, they just threw him out of the building. No, it was a little bit more than that. They threw him not just out of the synagogue, but it was an excommunication. He was thrown out from communion and fellowship. And the Greek word that we see here in uh, John 9, uh, verse 34 and 35, is akbalo. We have that, yeah, akbalo. It's to drive, to send out. And that's the word that was used and how they threw out the man for being healed. See, this all just occurred, and it wasn't just, you know, like this cut and splice, you know, oh, this happened, and now here's John 10. I'm the good shepherd. No, it's a continuation of what was happening. And so here is this word akbalo, 
They threw him out because, see, he was considered trouble now for the Pharisees. This man was considered trouble. We don't like, we don't like what he's saying. We don't like the way that this, they, they hated Jesus. They, they're like, we got to find something wrong here. We got to, we got to take this man out. He doesn't follow our ways. He doesn't, doesn't, aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't follow man's ways? Come on. Jesus was there and he's like, do you want to get well? Okay, let's go. And he just raises this man up, and this man is seeing for the first time. And instead of rejoicing because of his healing, they are saying, how dare you? It was because of your sin that you were in this situation. And they throw him out. But then it's funny, in verse 4, and here for the NIV, it says, when he has brought out all of his own, He goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. There's that word though, akbalo. And they used it again in John 10. Now, did Jesus say, okay, my little sheep, get out? There was a difference. It's the same word. But here he's saying, I'm going to send you out of the fold and I want you to feed, but I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to leave your side. I'm going to send you out of the fold right now, and I want you to graze, and I want you to be healthy, and I want you to be strong. But the good shepherd never leaves. And see, Jesus was pointing out to these Pharisees that they were spiritually blind in John 9. And then, as soon as that happens... Jesus starts off, that I tell you the truth. No man can come into this gate but through the door. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. And then as I was researching and I was reading, there's a prophecy in Ezekiel where Jesus ties it all in. He identified himself as God as using this title, the good shepherd. In Ezekiel 34, verse 7 through 31, it's a a bit of scripture, but I'm going to read it, so bear with me. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. This is, I'm ringing a little bit, guys. You have rolled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became Food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd, and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals, because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for the flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock, when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from the places where they were scattered on the days of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from countries. And I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel and the ravines and all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. They will lie down in good grazing land, and they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. 
I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the, sle- but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Come on. As for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another and between the rams and the goats. It is not enough for you to feed on good pasture. Must you also trample on your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink, what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all of the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away. I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place them one shepherd. And my servant David, he will tend them, and he will tend them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them, for I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety. I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in a season. Come on, there's going to be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crop. The people will be secure in their land and they will know that I am the Lord. And when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslaved them, they will no longer be plundered by nations nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a land renowned by for its crops, no longer victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of nations for they will know that I, the Lord, am their God. I am with them and that they, the Israelites, they are my people, declares the sovereign Lord. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture and I am your God, declares sovereign God. Come on, let's just thank you, Jesus. Ezekiel shows us the promise of David, but it also shows us the promise of the Messiah. So what is the shepherd? What is a role of a shepherd? Well, a shepherd, he protects his flock. He guides his flock to good pastures. His purpose is to keep his flock healthy. Jesus is called our good shepherd. John 10, that's who he declares who he is. He said, I am the good shepherd. And in Hebrews 13, verse 20, he's called the great shepherd. In 1 Peter 5, 4, he's called the chief shepherd. So you're like, Alicia, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a sheep, and he's my shepherd. What does that mean? Have you ever seen sheep? There's a, there's, um, a sheep farm near us, and I was just so mesmerized by them. We had to stop the car, and we're trying to call them, and they're like all over the place. They were so much fun to watch. They're so much fun to watch. But there was things that God just revealed to me, his character. I was listening to the bleeding of the sheep. And sheep can be pretty loud. And um, I feel like in our nation right now, the sheep are so like, ah, what's going on? But we don't have to be like that. We just got to listen. We need to know that the shepherd, the good shepherd, that God cares. He truly cares. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. So much right now, we, we just... The the nation is divided. People are divided. And God has been viewed as if he's this distant judge that just strikes. Now, God is judge. And truth does divide. But he is gentle. And he is loving. And he is compassionate. And he will hold you close. 
Matthew 9, verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It just shows the heart of our God. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He cares for his sheep. He cares for his sheep. He's the loving shepherd, a shepherd so loving and caring that for the life of the flock, he laid his down. God protects. He protects. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he goes, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from a stranger because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. And Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. And all whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. And the thief, he only comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and he does not care for the sheep. So Jesus here is telling us how he's this door and how he's this gate. Well, he's saying, okay, now I'm a, I'm a shepherd, but I'm also a door. Now, I, this was the part that I was like visualizing was this door. And I was like, God, I want to know more about this door. Because a lot of times you think about the door, well, we keep elements out, right? A door protects. I keep my door locked because I don't want a stranger to enter in. I don't want someone that's not welcome to come in if I lock my door. When shepherds would be out in the fields, and they would, they would go from field to field grazing, right? They wouldn't just be in one location. At night, they would have to make a makeshift fold to keep the, to keep the sheep within. So sometimes... Throughout the land, there would be all kinds of like rock barriers that they would put all the sheep in. Sometimes they would have to make some. They would put briars up on top of it. And there would be one entrance. One entrance. But the shepherd was the entrance. The shepherd would let his sheep go in through the one entrance. And to make sure that they didn't go out of the entrance, he would lay across the opening. The shepherd was the door. He would make this so that way sheep could only go in one way and out one way. But there was no physical gate. There was no physical door. It was the shepherd would lay across the opening and he was literally the gate. He was literally the door. And he would construct this, this fold, this makeshift fold with thorny bushes up on top. Because if there was a thief or if there was a wild animal that wanted to cause injury or to steal, they were going to have some effects there by protecting. And see, and that's what we have to understand is that our God, he protects us. He became the door of the sheepfold. He would sit there and count his sheep on the way in. He would inspect his sheep. He would sit there and count to make sure that every sheep was accounted for, every lamb was accounted for. That's how God is. He's calling us into the fold, and he's counting. And if you're not in that count, and if you're out there wandering, later in his word, he talks about how he goes out to find the one that escaped from the 99, because he's just that loving. He cares for you. He wants to protect you. 
Can you imagine being a shepherd all night? Now, shepherd, they had, some, they had hard jobs. One, they had to try to get animals that don't want to listen and animals that don't want to cooperate to follow him. They want to do their own thing. We have a hard time do, when someone doesn't want to listen to us, right? You ever have that one kid that's just like doing their own thing and you're constantly looking for one of your children that just doesn't follow in line? Okay, good. Glad I'm not the only one. There's always one that's missing. It's like, so we, me and Tony are like, oh, we got two thirds. We're not bad right now. But the shepherd, he counted each sheep. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a very exciting job. It was a dirty job. You slept outside. You would fight off wild animals try to get animals to listen that don't want to listen, follow when sometimes they don't want to follow. And then he would lay across the doorway access so that the sheep would have safety. The shepherd's own comfort, his own sleep was less to ensure the safety of his sheep. Come on, don't, aren't you glad that you, you're like, I don't know, I, I don't feel the Lord, but he's there and he's laying across the doorway entrance. You, the only way into the fold is with him. The only way out to great pastures is with him. Ezekiel 20 verse 37, it says, I will take note of you as you pass under my rod. I will bring you into the bond of my covenant. He's going to take notice of you, his rod. Verse 3, it says that the shepherd calls them by name from John 10, verse 3. He calls them by name. See, naming sheep was an ancient practice. They would only hear the voice of the shepherd, and that's how they knew where to follow him, because if they just saw him, they were confused. But when he calls their name, oh, there he is. Verses 4 through 6 of John 10, the shepherd is so involved with his flock that they know his name. Any other voice they're not going to follow. And there will be times that they would put multiple sheep herds together because there was so many shepherds. That was like how we have dairy farms now. There was so many sheep farms. And they would be out grazing. And they would put multiple herds in together. But when it was time to depart, the herd knew when it was time to go when they heard their shepherd's voice call. D.L. Moody told the following. A friend was traveling in the east, heard that there was a shepherd who still kept up the custom of calling his sheep by name. And he went to the man and he said, let me put on your clothes and let me take your crook and I will call them and see if they will come to me. And so he did and he called the one sheep, Mina, Mina. But the whole flock ran away from him. Then he said to the shepherd, will none of them follow me when I call them? And the shepherd replied, yes, sir, some of them will. The sick sheep will follow anybody. I don't want to be sick. I want to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit that when he calls, I'm there. When he says my name, here I am, Lord. I'm following you. I see you. I'm following you. I'm listening for your voice. I am not desiring. I do not want to be like the one that just wavers whenever someone says, oh, yeah, I believe that. Oh, yes, I believe that. If it doesn't sound like him, if it isn't from his word, I will not follow any other voice. Come on. We are sheep and he is our shepherd. Whose voice do you hear? Whose voice are you listening to? Do you know him well enough? Are you close enough to the Savior that when he speaks and calls your name that you say, yes, God. And so Jesus takes his time to point this out to the Pharisees because he just pointed out to them that they were spiritually blind, but now they're spiritually deaf because they don't know his voice. They couldn't figure out what he was saying. We need to be healthy. We need to be secure in our walk with Jesus. And we need to care about listening to his voice and his voice alone. Because in verse 28 through 30, if we know his voice, Jesus tells us that the enemy cannot snatch us out of the Father's hand. 
Come on. His rod. A shepherd has a rod. And his rod protects. But if, if I was to get a rod and try to use it on you, pull you away every time. I don't want you to do that. Think, think, think. There's so many times I meet with people and I hear so many things. I'm like, oh, no, don't do that. Don't make that choice. I just want to take the rod and just, right? The rod was never meant to hurt the sheep. The rod, though, is a symbol of authority, power, discipline. We don't like that word, but it's true. Discipline and defense of the sheep because that rod would be used against anything that would try to attack the sheep. But the rod would also be used to guide and nudge. And we, we don't like discipline. Oh, but a disciplined person is walking in step. Disciplines are good. Can you imagine if you never disciplined your children? Some of you might be experiencing some repercussions from not disciplining, right? Discipline is good. Discipline means that he loves us. When we discipline our children, it's because we want to see a better version of them, correct? But his rod is not there to beat you, okay? His rod was never meant to sit and whack you. Oh, you're wrong. Why'd you do this, you dumb sheep? No. That's not our God. Right? I love Psalms 23. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's a comfort. Not only do I pass under his rod as he counts me, as he sees that I'm there, as he calls my name, but he'll use his rod at times, Alicia. Mm, you're veering off. Let me push you over this way. They're there to comfort. Do you know a king's scepter came from the origins of the shepherd's rod? The shepherds are the lowly ones, right? It's usually the youngest of the family was put in charge of being the shepherd. That's what David, you know, David's dad didn't even bring him in when, when, when the prophet ar- arrived. You know, poor David's out there still working away because surely you don't want him. He's the young one. He's the shepherd. Micah had a prayer for God. He prayed that the great shepherd would once again lead and guide Israel. Micah 7, 14 says, Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance, which it lives by itself in a forest and fertile pasture lands. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in days long ago. The staff would also be used to anoint the heads of the sheep. They would actually dip it into a colored dye and set apart sheep for tithe. And it would mark that animal. I want to be marked by him. Come on, do you want to be marked by him? The Lord tells us that in Psalms 23, verse 5, that he prepares a banquet for us in the presence of our enemies. And he anoints our head with oil. He anoints our head with oil. So in Leviticus, they talk about a tithe, how he would, you would tithe off of your flock and, and every tenth animal that passed under the shepherd's rod would be holy to the Lord. And then in Psalms, he says that he, he's going to invite me to a banqueting table and anoint me with oil. Now, anointing with oil, oil will be poured over the head of the sheep as he's allowing his sheep to go into the fold and he would pour oil over the head of the sheep. I had to figure out why. Well, sheep have no way of getting flies off of them. And flies would actually lay eggs in their nose. 
And so the process of pouring the oil over the sheep's head was to protect them. Because if flies did by chance lay eggs in their nose and they began to hatch, it would literally drive the sheep nuts. Can you imagine that feeling and not being able to stop it? So they would sit and bang and bang their heads against the ground or a rock to get that feeling to stop. They would damage themselves. They would damage their goods, their milk. Their meat would be damaged. They could die from it unless the shepherd anointed them. The oil would protect them from the eggs coming and hatching because they would be dripping with oil. Come on. I want to be dripping with oil to protect anything that the enemy would try to lay within me. A seed within me of doubt, a seed of envy, a seed of greed that would cause and fester and cause infection and literally drive one crazy and mad. But he anoints our head with oil. It also was used to protect from all kinds of diseases because our God protects. Come on, do you want his protecting oil today? Our God guides. Micah 2, verses 12 through 13. Someday, O Israel, I will gather you. I will gather the remnant. Come on, I've been praying for a remnant to rise up. I will gather the remnant who are left, and I will bring you together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. Yes, your land will again be filled with noisy crowds. Your leader will break out and lead you out of exile out through the gates of the enemy cities, back into your own land. Your king will lead you. The Lord himself will guide you. The prophet Micah is giving a prophetic message of hope for the remnant of Israel. He's going to gather us together again. When he was talking about there are sheep that are not in my fold that are going to be here, See, he was talking to the Jewish people, but we Gentiles, we're included in it. He's bringing us into the sheepfold too. We're invited to be there. In verse 12, there's bringing them out of captivity. He brings out of captivity. He makes a way of escape. And in verse 13 there of Micah, he says there's hope for a great gathering of believers when the Messiah returns. Come on. He provided salvation, a promise of return. The great shepherd guides, even when we don't see a way. We're so worried about situations and circumstances that all we're doing is sounding like bleeding sheep. Not bleeding, bleating. But some of us are probably bleeding too. I was, when I was doing my research about the sheep, because a lot of times in Israel and over in the Middle East, there's mountainous areas. And if a sheep was on an edge of a cliff or, and couldn't get back up, the shepherd will not chase that sheep because it's so scared, it's so skittish, It would literally jump off of the cliff. I say literally a lot. It would jump off of the cliff to its death. Even though the shepherd's there to help, not to harm. The sheep was so scared that the shepherd lets it alone for a little bit. He waits till that sheep is so lethargic and about to pass out where he scoops it up into his arms and protects it and takes it back to the safety of the fold, back to the safety of the herd. He loves you so much. Yes, his goodness chases after you. We sang it this morning. But when you won't listen to his voice and you're 
going your own way, there are times where he will watch from a distance and wait to scoop you up. And that's hard, isn't it? Because we want God, God, why aren't you here right now? Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you answering? He is. But if he came and just tried to come and get you, sometimes our tactic is to run, right? The minute something's hard, the minute that we don't like it, we want to run. I'm that way. I hate dealing with things that are, are, are challenging. I am so type A that if it doesn't fall in line with the way I mapped it all out in my brain, and you're going to take me in a different direction, I just want to run away from it, God, because I don't understand it. I don't see it. It scares me, right? Come on, are you like me? Are you, are you super spiritual and better? I don't know. <laughs> just honest. But his voice, I know his voice. Do you know his voice? Will you stop and stop running? Will you stop just worrying about the one pleasure that you could have right now? He's got a whole pasture of, of green for you. The goodness of God is so widespread for you. It's better than one clump that you could worry about right here. And then when he's got, a, he's got hill after hill for you. There's a lot of reference to shepherds in the Bible. And if I was just to sit and hit every scripture that I found on shepherds, we would be here for quite some time. But I do want to hit on John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. And this whole part of text could be a message all in of itself. But Jesus was talking to Peter before he ascended into heaven. And this conversation was so important. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all these things and you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times Peter denied him. Three times Jesus asked him, do you love me? And he used different versions of love. I, I, I understand that when talking about the context of this. But I want to point out this. At first he said, feed my lambs. A lamb is a baby sheep. The first time he asked him, do you love me? And then he said, yes, Lord, feed my lambs. And these are the babies. Babies need protection, love, and nourishment. Babies can't eat what adult sheep are eating. They need to grow in their spiritual walk. Christians, new believers, they need to grow in their spiritual walk. They're babies. And Jesus was asking Peter, I need you to feed these babies some spiritual milk. Second time he asked Peter, he says, I want, do you love me? And he's like, yes, Lord, I love you. He said, take care of my sheep. Now see, once the lamb has grown, the shepherd can now take him out into the pasture. And there they can drink and eat their fill all they want while the shepherd keeps a look over the sheep. He's keeping watch over that flock and he stays with the flock and he sleeps with the flock and he calls them by name and he brings them in and he anoints their heads. He's taking care of them. He's bringing guidance to the sheep. He's making sure that they're not wandering off. He's training them that they know his voice. That's that growing and that maturing in Christ. And Peter's 
Peter has this responsibility now. Don't just, not just the babies, but you got to take care of the sheep too now. And then there's this third time, and he's, he asks Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter's heart is just broken. He says, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. So instead of asking him to feed lambs, they need something more. They need something heartier. They need something healthier. And he wants them to move on. It's time, if you're drinking spiritual milk for so many years, it's time now. Come on. Yeah. It's time to eat his word. It's time to eat some meat and grow. Now listen, you might be asking, well, who's our shepherd? Jesus is our good shepherd, and, and God has given people responsibility as, as under-shepherds. But do you know your under-shepherds are still sheep too? We want you to grow. We want you to be discipled. But you gotta, you got to go after it too. We can't keep running from it. There needs to be some spiritual maturity. It's time. And it's time to, to go and get some lambs too. We need a hunger for the deeper things of God. Come on. Do you want to grow? Do you want to grow in righteousness? Do you want to be able to distinguish between what is good and evil? That comes through maturity. That, that comes when you, when you know the Father's voice and, you, and you're, you're coming up against things and you're like, mm, that doesn't sound like him. That doesn't sound like him. I can't follow that line of thought because that's not what he says. That doesn't sound like my shepherd. That's someone else's voice. And if you don't eat, you become what? Sick. And if you're a sick sheep... You'll follow any other voice. But when you're healthy and you're strong and you hear him calling your name, you're going to run. When my sister Nisa was up here preaching a couple weeks ago, an amazing word. And the virgins that weren't prepared and they came to the door and they knocked. He said, depart from me, I never knew you. He's the door. One way in and one way out is through the, the good shepherd. His rod is not there to hurt you. His rod is there to comfort you, to bring you in, to count you. He would inspect his sheep he would count them, but then he would feel his sheep and inspect them, make sure that there was no injury. Because if there was injury, he what? He binds up their wounds. Do you need a touch from the good shepherd today? Do you know the good shepherd today? Do you know his voice?